Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo, of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 203. In today's episode, we talk about Doug's new puppy, podcast setup versus meeting setup, managing, receiving, sharing, archiving, and backing up audio production files. Hey, Doug. Hey, there we are. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you great. All right. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, sorry I'm late. I was actually just on the phone with a client talking to doing some mixed notes. Oh, cool. (laughs) No worries. It's a couple minutes. How are you? Am I a little loud? Not to me. Okay. But I have complete control over that. (laughs) (laughs) Master of audio. How are you? Happy Friday. Yeah. We are recording on a Friday. It's a little different for us. Yeah. It was a busy week. That's all right. It was a busy week. It was. Man, today was nuts. I claimed the reschedule to the new puppy addition to the family. Oh, yes. Gorgeous puppy. Looks very well-behaved, but what do I know? Uh, She really is. I could go on like <laughs> multiple episodes here if you want. I mean, it's <laughs> she's awesome. I think that's a different podcast, the dog <laughs> podcast. Yeah. The dog cast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, that's cool. Oh, so um oh yeah, cuz you had a you had a dog that passed last year, right? Yeah, we lost two dogs this this last year. Oh my goodness. And uh, one just on the December 30th. Right. Oh, wow. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if I knew about that or if I thought that was the same one. but Yeah, and we lost our other one in, um, I believe, March of last year. Yeah. Oh, man, that's tough. Yay, 2020. Yeah, 2020. What a year. What a year. <laughs> <laughs> good riddance. Although, yeah, I mean, we were saying there was a lot of good things to happen. Oh, definitely. Still. Yeah. Still. That's one for the history books. Yeah. Let's see. I had something I was, <laughs> I totally had something different I was going to talk about. Um, it went right out of my head because I just got off the phone. Friday, long weekend coming. I don't yeah. know. Do you get Monday off? I get Monday off. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, I'm, I've am i got a bunch of mastering to get done and probably try to deliver on Monday. I'm, I'm kind of behind right now with with the new puppy coming in. Priorities this week have been with the puppy, really. And Yeah, which I is can the, see that. Which is fine. It's just the way I wanted it. So, But I'm behind as a result, so I'm going to have to. Put some extra time in over the weekend here. Makes sense. Yeah, I'll be wrapping up some stuff this weekend. Um, moving on to other things. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I have a news. I I have a different Zoom setup for podcasting than I do for my you know throughout the day kind of meetings, and so sometimes I forget where which audio inputs and outputs I'm supposed to be using for a podcast because it's just it's just a little different. No. Oh. Yeah, you know, I don't have to change stuff up. So I've got, well, I, I run a a mic preamp, and that doesn't change. And I've got it actually patched in through my patch bay into my interface, um, DAAD. And then I just have that on. I don't record on one and two at all. So, so that just stays there. If I had to move it, then I could just repatch it to a different channel. Yeah, I've got eight recording channels available. Well, like seven of them never get used, you know. So yeah, well, for me now during the day, I just I I don't even I don't use my 
my Lewitt, I use, I just, I get decent quality out of my webcam microphone. So I use that. And then I just, I leave my studio speakers on um, so that I can be hands-free and, and stand up and walk around if I'm not on camera. Right. <laughs> Practice guitar. Or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I use the speakers for Zooms, but not for, not for this because I don't want any echo. So I had to switch to headphones. Yeah. I usually just don't use my rig at all and, uh, you know, for like Zoom meetings and stuff other than this one. I just use my AirPods and... Oh, okay. For meetings and stuff, they work good. And then I, I, you know, I got 30 feet. I can walk around with those. Then I don't have to worry about feedback from the um, speakers right. coming back in the microphone too. So Cool. But yeah, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to be kind of getting back in the groove, getting back to regular episodes. Um, yeah. And I know last week's uh, interview was, was already pretty popular. I mean, they even did some paid promotion on it. I saw some, I saw some ads. Yeah, well, on so, Instagram. Yep, so did we. <laughs> yeah, so did we. <laughs> um, and next week we're going to do another interview, um, but this week we are down to our regular old chit chat. Yeah, which is fun. And I have that as uh, uh, looking at working with audio production files and managing, receiving, and sharing, and exactly. archiving and backing up. Yeah, know, which is an like interesting that. topic, and I'm. Uh, Gosh, I kind of surprised we didn't talk about that already. I mean, I think we talked a little bit about it when we were talking about, you know, what do you send to your master engineer, mixing engineer, but just in general. I mean, so many people are home collaborating right now uh, remotely, which was novel a few years ago when when I was doing it. But now it's kind of become a little bit standard practice just because everybody's not going to studios because of, uh, you know, the pandemic and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a good talk to have. You know, what do you use for file sharing and what do you use for backup? Immediately, you realize as soon as you start an audio project that there can be, especially like a mixing project. And you would be surprised in a mastering project, the number of files that actually get generated. But the first thing that happens is you, if you didn't record the all of the tracks yourself, you're going to receive a number of stems, whatever that may be. And that can be a lot of files. Oh yeah. Immediately. So the first thing you do is begin managing files. Right. And God help you if they're not named correctly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so you've got that file management going in. If that, if the tracks weren't named right, trying to figure out what track is which, you know, and hopefully they at a minimum had a track number in them to just help organize stuff or hopefully also describe what's being tracked. Yeah. I'll say that mine rarely have coming in. They rarely have a track number associated with them. Oh. Um, when I bounce out, I do that, but coming in, they're at least named, but I don't always know what they refer to. So, oh, okay. Um, and I will often, if they're not, well, if they are, I'll rename them with numbers. Yep. Yep. And if they already have numbers, I just verify that that's the order I want them in. But that makes it easy because when I drag them all into my session, they all get arranged in the order automatically for me because of numerical order in the file order. So they just oh, that's cool. drop in an order. So if I want all the drums, you know, I can, if I've got 10 drum tracks, I'll, I'll just start with them one through 10. And then I like to do bass next and 
you know, stuff like that. So anyway, uh, you know, so bass will start off at 11 in that case. And, you know, I'll just drop them in that way. And then everything's in order. And then I can start my groupings and stuff from that. But that's a different topic. Yeah, that is a different topic. I mean, I actually, I mean, I have a template, so I just, I drop them all in and then I just kind of do a, uh, a, a, um, as I drop them in, I, I label them in, in the finder and as, you know, green so that I know I copied it. And yep. then at the final end, I do a checksum, you know, I, I count up all the files that came to me and I count up all the tracks that I have and they should match. <laughs> yeah. And then my DAW creates an audio folder. And then all the tracks that I drop in actually end up there. Yeah, same here. I do. I never remove the the files that were sent to me from my downloads folder because that's just a it's just an area that's eventually going to get mass deleted at some point. And because mm-hmm. I don't need those files anymore, because I've got a duplicate of them after I drop them in the DAW. Right. Right. And so that's the beginning of my file organization. So the original audio files are automatically into the project as soon as I drop them in. Yeah, so that's similar to what I do. So I yeah, yeah I get them in. And once I've once I've done the checksum and I've verified that I've copied them all into the project and then I save the project, then they all get copied into the project folder. Yep. And then I delete the originals to save the space. Yeah. I hold on to the originals for a while. Like I don't yeah, have like a, a set time frame. It's just whenever the next time I empty my trash bin you know yeah i don't mean to downloads immediately just in case something gets corrupted and transfer or or i need to refer to something or something but um but then we've got like for you you've got your bounces you might have like different mix folders for you know it might be a a demo mix or right things like that I would assume end up with with a few folders inside your project directory mm-hmm. that are you know different versions that you might uh, have for review copies and, yep. and things like that and you know to get feedback and and come back and and then have like revisions and and things that, yeah file management becomes kind of a thing yeah <laughs> it's true which is a why why naming convention and my naming conventions have changed over the years as as I as I've gone from working for myself to working for others and with others um just to keep stuff straight you know and uh yeah i've had to start i've had to gone go from i've gone from and i think everybody kind of develops their own but there are probably our best practices but i've gone from saying you know mix version one mix version two but then you forget which one you send or which one was on what day okay if i need to go back to the project which you know which project save corresponds with this version of the you know demo file yeah. and so i've started naming them by date this is the the group name the song name and the date is the day that i saved that project file and bounced that gotcha. corresponding demo i don't or, put the date on file. mine because it's already on the file for the last modified date um so i just use the metadata that's already in the file to yeah. to look at that but I, I do use like a decimal uh, versioning system. Mm-hmm. I'll have you know like one dot and one dot one and stuff like mm-hmm. that. With the the highest level version number being the latest file, um, you know the latest version. Yeah, and, and do that. But then once that's usually going through like 
some demos and reviews and and revisions. And when you get to, when I get to the final one, then um, I no longer use the demo folder anymore, and I move that out into the uh, you know into the finals folder, my, which for mine is called Masters. So my my demos is called Demo Masters, and the finals is just called Masters. Right. But in there, then I have another whole series of, fo- of folders as well for <laughs> different loudness versions and things like oh, that. Sure. It's just depending on what we're doing. I also have, I deal with cover art and I keep my project documentation with the project in the, mm-hmm. the main project directory with all of the audio files as well. Right. So everything about a project is all together within the same, the same audio project from that I create, but it also starts creating from my DAW session. Yeah. And I'll usually open up and I'll just create, I know what folders I need and I should just write a, like a script that like an Apple script that just creates all the directories for me every time, but I don't. Um, so anyway, I spend five yeah, minutes. That's, or whatever that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I, I do feel like everybody finds their own workflow and, and, and whatever works for them eventually. And, and it definitely, uh, as you just mentioned, you know, when you take a moment or take, or take your, what you should do, obviously is schedule time once a week. And I know you do this and I know I do this to work on your business, not for your business. And during that time, sit back and go, okay, what can I optimize? What can I streamline? What, what's working but could work better or what's not working and needs to be retooled. Um, and uh, that's a good time to write an Apple script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of, I know that was like. File, yeah, file management and, wasn't really what we intended to talk about, but that's a really good point that even, even, even having done this for so long, I, you know, I don't really stop to think about just how many files and folders yeah. and, and the management of all of those things. Um, but all that stuff, all that stuff needs to, A, be organized, B, be stored, and C, needs to be backed up. Yeah. And to be honest with you and to our listeners, if you haven't really gotten into that yet and you're just starting out, you're just creating your first or second project sessions and stuff like that, the best way to learn to do this is to figure out from the mistakes that you make and right and how because the way that I do things may not be the way that it works for you and your workflow right so you just got to kind of figure that out there'll be this, some little pain points where you gotta oh I gotta I gotta move my my session files over into this folder because now I've got a second project from the same client and I didn't think about that when I created the first folder, but I want it to be underneath the client. Yeah. Yeah. That takes a while. And for people that aren't, you know, they're not like us and doing audio work for others. They're just working for themselves. You know, I, what did I start with? I started with, I have a folder of demos. I bet everybody has a demos folder, a folder of, you know, either final songs or, or I think I had a, and I still have all these, but uh, a demo folder, a singles folder, an albums folder, and then inside the albums folder, you know, there's, you know, mixes and masters. And I mean, you, you find your own hierarchy, you find your own work, whatever, however, you. but it does pay to kind of do this consistently, however it works for you. Do it consistently yeah. and try to get it, get it right for you early on so that yeah. you don't start 
just wasting time because you know that kind of stuff kills creativity in nothing flat yeah you have to like look for files or hey where did that and oh and the one thing that boy that uh took me way too long to figure out is um you are never gonna remember what that guitar riff um (laughs) that you recorded last week what the name of that was if you don't name it appropriately (laughs) it's you're like Riff idea number three. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to go through a year's worth of riff idea, number 27, <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing's going to turn you off faster from trying to write a song. So um, be 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 your future self's best friend and name things appropriately yeah. and organize them well uh, early on. An example of that is like, I have one, I was driving down, one of the main roads here in my town, it's called Veterans Parkway. And it came up with this melody in my head. And I sang that into my, into my phone's voice recorder. Mm-hmm. Cause five minutes from that point, it was going to be gone. And absolutely. So I named it South veterans. <laughs> <laughs> Cause if for me, it would be going, what was that? What was that melody right. I, I was singing on South Veterans that day, you know? And so anyway, to make some sort of relationship idea to the moment or whatever, or whatever the inspiration was or the location or something that will remind me. Now I can look through those files and I, I see South Veterans. I know exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. No, mine are all voice recording one, voice recording two. Voice recording. <laughs> And I'm like, what is this? And then I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Why did I think that was worth recording? Oh, my God. <laughs> but then, so, you know, you've received your files and you've set up your management system for those. And then that's also going to include the files that you create through your audio production process. Right. And then you have to share them. Originally, Google Drive or Dropbox or something like that was my go-to solution. What I realized about that for me was that it ends up being multiple or duplicates of the same file stored in different locations. That being because I don't like to have the Google Drive folder locally on my computer because then I'm also, not only am I using up Google Drive space, but I'm also using this space up on my local hard drive as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then in, in the drive application going through all the sharing and you have to be concerned with permissions and right. Who has access and, and all that stuff. And I found that to just be a lot of extra stuff to be concerned with. But in the context of what we're talking about today, having the duplicate file is problematic because why do I want to have that file other than backup purposes? Okay. Right. In those two locations when I'm also going to have a backup of it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Right. Just for the purposes of sharing. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And it bothers me too. Cause then you have to go check and say, Oh wait, which version did I upload? Yeah. Because they're completely separated. Yeah. There's so nothing. now you've got like double the file management. Yep. <laughs> you know, to, to keep all that stuff. And that bugged me. I'm a big fan now of WeTransfer. I've got a pro account in WeTransfer because it's worth it. And that gives me a branded page. I can send my client 
they don't have to have a WeTransfer account. They can just go to my WeTransfer page and upload files directly from that. Yeah, WeTransfer is great because even with a free account, you can transfer yeah. big files quickly. And it it doesn't stick them in a holding bin. It just sends them an email that yeah. they click on a link and download it. I do like the elegance of that. And with the pro um, account, I get four weeks. Well, I, I could probably longer. I can set those and I, I set them up for to automatically delete in four weeks. I think with the, the free account, two weeks might be the maximum. I can't remember. For yeah, sure. it's, it's short because like if they don't download it, then it gets deleted. They yeah. have, I think it's seven days, I want to say. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it could be wrong for the free account. But my client's going to go back and download their files as many times as they want Yeah, for four weeks. And after that, you know, those... And those are usually, those are demos or finals. And then they just, they peel off from there. So it's, the files are then in possession of, of the client where they should be. I'm really only concerned with archiving my session and one copy of the, of the final, the, the demos aren't important to me at, in the end and stuff like that. It's yeah. the session. So if I needed to go back in at a later date, I could. How important is that? Have you ever done it? I actually haven't. Well, specifically what? Like your logic session. I have, but not for a client. Like six months from now, are you ever going to break back into a client session to redo something? Um, It hasn't happened yet, but I can't say that that's possible. I know. I remember we had this conversation with Mixer Man. Once during a Twitter chat, one of my DIY music. Oh chats, yeah, and he said, "Fun guy." That he del- <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting, interesting guy, very opinionated. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you uh, anyway. Um, he said he just he once once it's final and it goes out and he's delivered what he's been asked to deliver. Delivers the final client mixes. He deletes the original session and just doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. And people are like, what do you mean you don't have it anymore? It's like, it's done. It's been delivered. I don't need to keep that stuff around. Yeah. And everybody was kind of, people were kind of aghast, but, you know, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Why would you need to go recreate, recreate? I tend to agree with him. I, I didn't know. really decide with or against his argument on that because I think you just do what you do. Right. You know, whatever makes sense for you. I kind of come from a a mindset of keep things longer than you think you need them. Yes. And and back them up. And then when drive space becomes a concern, then I can start clearing stuff out. It's not that hard, you know? Yeah. I'd rather have more than I need than not enough of what I need, you know? Right. To his point, it's true. I honestly have an archive of stuff that I've never had to get back into for years. Well— to me, the problem with, and this is something that I guess he may have mentioned, but the problem with digital sessions is, you know, five years from now, all my plugins will have been revved. The program will have been revved. Uh, I won't be able to load probably half of the stuff that I'm running right now in the original session. It's going to come up and it's not going to sound the same. Yeah. Like it's almost impossible for it to sound the same, even if it loads correctly. Right. Um, and I'll probably pull it up and go, wow, is that even what it sounded like back then? Or is it that it's actually different? Uh, yeah. And so the other way to do is it, that 
how much I've grown in the last five years. <laughs> right. And how can you tell? <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. That's true. What, what was the saying? If you're not embarrassed by who, who you were a year ago, then you're not, you're not growing fast. Enough. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, even if it, so then, then at some point in the last few years, I started doing a thing where, okay, so here's a final project. I'm going to bounce wet stems and dry stems of my project and then get rid of all of the, you know, the little project pieces, file pieces, because I know that they'll never load correctly. I just want the actual stems that I can theoretically recreate a mix from if I had to make a another mix. But, you know, if you deliver a vocal up mix, a vocal down mix, a television mix and uh, instrumental and the clients like it and they've gone off and gone on to the next thing, they're not going to come back and ask for, Hey, can you do a, well, maybe they will. I don't know. Can <laughs> you generate a TV mix for our first single from 10 years ago? I I don't know. Yeah, I think that no. <laughs> you just decide if you're going to do that or not. And then that's a yeah. long-term project. Right. And if, if not, then you're not going to do it. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, you know, because storage costs money. Yeah. Time costs money. And, you know, if you've gone from a, a project that took X, that you got paid for, that took X number of days, and you turn it into a decade-long project where you keep stuff around indefinitely in case somebody comes back and asks. I don't know. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I'm just, this is occurring to me as I'm saying it. The thing is, is for me, it and the drive storage space isn't as much of a concern is because I, I offload the stuff and archive it onto, I got a four terabyte external drive mm -hmm. that I archive to. So I, I only keep the most recent projects on my local hard drive. And when I'm done with them, I offload them so that yeah, I they're not needed anymore. I do keep two backups. I keep a cloud backup and a local backup. Yeah. Because being in the IT world, as you know, you always want to have at least two backups and they should be in different places. Yeah. And I use a service called Backblaze. Yeah, I was going to mention Backblaze. And we're not sponsored or anything. I just like them. We're not sponsored they're by good, WeTransfer fast, either. Inexpensive. Yeah, no. So this is stuff that I actually use and like and... And would definitely recommend. And and I back up not only my computer, but I back up my external drive. So my archive and what's on my machine are both back up to the cloud. Yeah, and it's it's inexpensive. It's like $6 a month to yeah. start for Backblaze. Yeah. And uh, if I wasn't getting, um, what is it, Code 42 or um, whatever, uh, Crash Plan, I think they're the oh, same yeah. thing. If I wasn't getting that through work, I would definitely pay for Backblaze to back up to the cloud. Um, I think it's probably been, I've been with using Backblaze for seven or eight years now. Oh, wow. Nice. I did try out Crash Plan. I don't know I, what my decision was at that point. Oh, I, it might have been price for Backblaze or or just the service. Yeah, again, I don't love Crash Plan. I actually find it annoying. Okay. But... <laughs> but <laughs> work pays for it. So and maybe I, that was because I remember trying it out at the time I, they had trial periods for these things and I was checking yeah. them out and just the experience. And I don't know about you, but I, I actually try to see what the restore process is like and things like that. Oh, and yeah. like in the worst case scenarios, I think, oh, this is the selling point for me on Backblaze is that right now I could for $165 in that neighborhood, they would just ship me a hard drive with, all my stuff on it. Oh, and, to me, that would be worth it. And then I could, I have the choice. I can keep the hard drive 
or I can offload all that stuff and restore everything, wipe the hard drive, send it back to them, and they give me a full refund. Oh, what? Yeah. That's awesome. So the the whole restore thing, it's just, you may, I mean, 165 is a little bit more than what you'd pay. So it might be $40, $50 more than what you'd go down to Best Buy or something and get the same right. drive for. But it has all your data on it. And yeah. And it's conveniently there. So right. you, you could feasibly just put it in your computer and start running. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this could be a two-parter, but um, we had an interesting discussion. I Knowing that this was going to be the topic for tonight, I brought this up in the DIY music chat today and uh, kind of asked people, what are they using? And I, I got more or less the responses I expected, which is most people use Drive. Google Drive or or Dropbox. I originally started using Dropbox and some people stopped for the same reason I did, which is it it stopped being a simple, you know, file transfer and started being kind of a middleware and got a little, to me, it got a little feature bloated and weird, but um, somebody uses it for backup and I didn't ever think of it as that. They do desktop sync with Drop with uh, Dropbox. And oh. So they pay the, the monthly fee, do desktop sync and, that is both their file transfer and backup solution, which is not something that would have occurred to me. Um, but that's that's another way to go. The the cool thing about to me about Drive, and I know we use that for our um, podcast project files, is that okay if I if if you have a, a file in Drive that's an audio file, you don't actually have to download it. You can actually play it right there in your browser and preview it. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have then because if if I have it and I put it on drive and then you download it. Now there's three copies of it. Yeah. Right. And those things, that's like three times the file management. But if I put it on drive and then you preview it and then I delete it later, now there's only one copy. Right. So that's kind of a cool thing. That player works. Okay. It doesn't work that great for like wave files though, which is, um, it does work, but it's weird. And so sometimes, and I think most of the time it's weird from your mobile device. I think it works oh, better. I tried that from your computer whereas dropbox has a really nice player and it works well in all the formats that i've tried with it so i would give that definitely to dropbox that if you're sending demos that are to be just read only and just played mm -hmm. that uh check that out because it's actually pretty nice and if you're into video and stuff like that too the video tools for sharing on a dropbox like to post into social media and stuff actually work really well now, let me ask you. So, do you mean that Dropbox app has a player built in? No. Or do you mean that... Just hitting the link in your mobile device will open up a player. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually use Google Drive almost exclusively, or unless I use WeTransfer. Uh -huh. But what I do for myself when I have a, a, a client mix that, I'm, that I want to hear how it sounds, I put it in Dropbox, and then I go for a walk, and then I play it on my phone from Dropbox. Yeah. And that's how I proof stuff. Yeah. You know, I do the same kind of thing, except I, I'll upload it to like Google drive yeah. and then I'll download it for a local offline version. Cause okay. uh, so I don't burn through my data while I'm out listening to it and just listen to it locally that way. I will say also the we transfer file player works great. So Right there uh, on from a mobile device, when you go to download, it'll open it up in a player and you can download it from there. Yeah. And I really like that a lot too. So you can 
you don't necessarily have to download the files and you can just listen to them. So you can stream those that way too. Sometimes I just email MP3s to people because it's only like eight megabytes for a song. Oh yeah. And that way they don't, that way I don't have to worry about them getting a link and then having to go to the web and logging in somewhere or doing something. It's like, here, here's the file. Just listen to it. Yeah. See all my demos. Well, for master demos, I, those are usually delivered as wave files because we're, we're looking at the, the best possible quality uncompressed format to listen okay. to for those. And so waves are bigger because they're uncompressed and sure. And then like I like said, like 10 times bigger. Yeah. Like, and then, then the drive player, I think and it might be because of the file size. It takes forever to load. And I've had it like where I, I just can't get it to play it. I wait like 10 minutes for it to load up and it still won't play for me where I can upload that to we transfer Dropbox. And as, as soon as that uploads completed, the player's active and, and you can use it, you know? So, yeah, I've just had better experience with it than I had Google drive. Yeah. Well, from, I, you know, I, you know, of course we have different needs and this is something that we didn't really get to touch too much on in the chat today. Cause I was kind of like trying to, you know, get the finger on the pulse of what people are doing, but we didn't really touch on, uh, you know, if you're doing this, if you're transferring files for, Hey, I'm collaborating with you. I want to send you the highest quality file that I have because you're going to use it in a project versus, Hey, I have a demo I want you to hear or, a um, something that I've worked on that I just want you to preview. Right. You know, I've, to me, those are two completely different needs, yeah. maybe two different solutions. Yeah. I mean, for um, that, I would be bouncing out to an MP3 just for like, here's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Versus here's a deliverable. I want them to have the best listening experience they can have. So I'm going to give them the the fully uncompressed file yeah that doesn't have any of the now you know there's it's lossy compression you you're going to lose you're basically going to lose quality in an mp3 yeah. immediately right yeah absolutely even though even though i i'm i, I uh knowing that i'm going to get revisions i tend to share you know mp3s but i do like the 320k version so they're pretty high quality oh yeah I think I do mine um, in five. Because uh, if I know I'm going to go through a round of mix revisions, I don't want to be sending, you know, 75 gigabyte. I mean, 70, yeah, you know, whatever. 75, is it 75 gigabyte? 75 megabyte. 75 megabyte files all over. And then I'm filling up my hard drive. I'm filling up Google Drive. I'm filling up their hard drive with all these, you know, 75 megabyte files of waves. Um, that doesn't seem for the amount of mix revisions. Yeah. doesn't seem efficient, but... Yeah, because I, I always do mine. I think I think it's like what five twelve, I think. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. I think three three twenty sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't know why. I figured three twenty sounds good. Five twelve better. <laughs> <laughs> I have one even higher available to me, but I I never use it. I don't know that I there would be a, any discernible difference. Yeah, if you go higher, you might as well be sending a wave. Yeah, well, you, you know, and or flack. I don't use Flack, but that's another one. You know, maybe if someone actually ever sent me um, pre-masters in, at, um, at some really high sample rate, you know, but I usually don't get anything higher than, you know, 48 is, is really standard yeah, for what I receive. I can certainly receive much higher than that. I can process that stuff without any problem. But it, as you know, uh, on the mixing side, you know, to do that, you got to give up half your channel count to uh, allow for the the higher sample rates, right. and that's hard for 
the studios to, to, to do. That's kind of a burden and it increases work because there's, you have to have multiple, well, you can't track as much. You can track half the count. You can't mix and export to the same. If you're bouncing or printing, you're limited on the number of, because you're basically recording your print then. And so you're limited on the number of stems that you can generate at one time. And oh, there's all kinds of things. If you have a 16 channel at 48, you only have eight at 96, which means if you've got 16 tracks, you're going to have to bounce twice. So now that's, you know, two times the effort to do what you need to do and then bounce again to bring those two together. So you've bounced three times to get what you would um, in one bounce in at 48K. Yeah. But in the digital domain, it's not yeah. Yeah, it's been a digital domain. I mean, you're just making your computer work harder. Yeah. <laughs> There's also latency involved. Yes. Latency is a thing. But I, I still feel like 48 covers all your bases. Yeah. It's con I, it's considered to be high definition. Anything yeah. higher than 44.1 is, is high definition. You know, I read an article recently that said that it was originally that when they when they were making the the standards for you know bit rate and for sample rate and the the forty four one it was meant to be forty eight originally and forty four one was a compromise to fit the same amount of songs on a CD yeah. as was on an LP. Yeah, file. and if they had made it forty eight, they wouldn't have been able to do it with the technology of the CD at the time. They probably could now, but at the time, they wanted to be able to fit, you know, the same amount of songs on the CD as they could on a on a LP record, and so they they fudged the sample rate and made forty four one the standard. Right, which has leads us back to the files because now you've got a bunch of files that are much larger in size. Right, because you're storing more samples per second which is is more data that you're uh, that each file um contains. Yeah, I uh, I did the John Cougar thing and I held on to 16 as long as I could. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually I went to 24 bit. Yeah. So the only time, you know, I'm usually in 44 now these days is this podcast, I think. I'll have to check if I'm in 48 or not. Well, if you're if it's not I upsample it. Oh, okay. It's my project template's 48. And uh, I might be in 44 because the other thing that I do is render to uh, CDs. And right. I got to be in 44 at one. It's 16-bit for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like I said, I held on to that for as long as I could. But yeah. now I just, if I just downsample, uh, I dither. So Yeah. Yep, same. Dithering. Dithering. Well, that's a whole nother. <laughs> as soon as it left my mouth, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a whole nother podcast topic right there. What time is it? It's, we're over time. We're over time. I think we we touched on a lot of stuff, but I don't know that we went too far in depth. No. Um, I, 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 after the two discussions about this that I've had now today, I, I'm definitely going to kind of rethink my my workflow in terms of uh, file sharing and and storage. And I may yeah. just I may just gravitate towards the WeTransfer more. Yeah, check it um, out. I'm, and we could certainly do that with the podcast for a, a few times if you want, just to get a feel for it. But I, boy, it's really working good for me. Yeah, it's, you know, for me, because it's push versus pull. It's, uh, you know, how many clicks do you have? I just want to, I just want to think, come up with something that's a little more streamlined, 
a little less uh, click heavy yeah. for me and whoever I'm sending stuff to just to, just to make, just to kind of remove friction yeah. and remove uh, steps and resistance. So oh, one other, gonna be one other aspect of uh, we, we transfer is uh, on the security side. So yep. it's simple. You just, you create a password at the time that you're creating the, the file transfer. Uh-huh. And then you just let who you're delivering it to know what the password is and it's secured. So you, the only way you can access it is with the password then. And oh, you can do, cool. you can do that with both. You can email it and email the, uh, it'll, it'll send the transfer link to them in email, or you can just create a link and then email them yourself through your regular email account with the, with the link in there and that'll take them to, and those both ways can be password secured. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, there's Careful, everything well, that you. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little. There's a little. There's a smorgasbord for you. A little bit of, a little bit of file transfer. A little bit of storage. A little bit of, uh, backup. A little bit of, a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I think we did pretty darn good on staying on topic tonight. I think that's. I think so too. You know, kind of a. a we've grown. We've matured. <laughs> <laughs> I I do miss the banter a little bit. <laughs> We got to bring a little bit. Well, of we that attempted back. to banter a little bit early there, but I, I don't know about you, but I had no idea how to get into yeah. file sharing from where we were. <laughs> I know we got to uh, find our groove. We'll, we'll find our groove. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Man. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy. Take Absolutely. Care. Have a great week um, and uh, stay well. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bye bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>